Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. We hope that you are well, we hope that you are happy, and we hope that you are all healthy. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen, and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter, and if I were allowed to have that much caffeine, I would love to be drinking a Monster Energy right about now. Would you really? Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure that you haven't lost your sense of taste because of the coronavirus? No, I really would. Um, Monster is another one of those things I think I got a taste for because of my IFB years. And, you know, much like cheeseburger soup, I understand that it's not the healthiest and I can't just have one every day. Um, But it is something I do still enjoy on occasion. Well, if you drink Monster Energy during pregnancy, then your baby is going to punch its way out. You know, it's going to be like alien. (laughs) Yeah. That's definitely not the outcome that I'm going for. Uh, I do think it's kind of interesting that that Hiles Anderson College is where I started drinking Monster pretty much daily. And I think it's funny that it's even sold in their little campus store because, as we all know, Monster Energy Drink is truly satanic. That's right, people. Today we're going to be discussing and dissecting the satanic nature of Monster Energy Drink. But before we do that, I just have to say that the Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast. 
which depends on listener support. If you like our show, then you can support the show by joining our Patreon, which is going to be patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast, where we have extended episodes. You can also recommend this podcast to your friends, to your family, your coworkers. And if you leave us a good iTunes review, that'll also help us grow our audience. And if you are a fan of the show, you can also join our Facebook group. It's called Eden Exodus, the Leaving Eden podcast Facebook group. And, you know, we get posts in that group like pretty much every day with, you know, funny stuff, insights, you know, more in-depth discussion of the things that are going on. You know, there's a great community that's growing with us and the listeners. And that's something that I'm really happy about. Yeah, the Facebook group is really great. Um, we Lately, we've been answering some questions, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of gauging if we ever did a question and answer episode, what would be, what would be the top questions that most people have that would, what we'd want to put in that episode. Yeah. And that's also another thing that I wanted to say is that you can, if you oh, have yeah. questions that you want to ask us, you can join the group, uh, ask the questions in the group, or you can, you know, send us an email and then we'll eventually have an episode where we read your questions and answer them on the air. And that's going to be really fun. I know I'm spitballing on a live mic here, but I would really like to do a question and answer episode um, for one of the episodes that's going to air while I'm on maternity leave in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I think that would be one neat thing that we could prepare ahead of time. Uh, I'm trying to have several weeks off, obviously, after I have a baby um, before I have to start recording episodes again. Uh if you have any questions that would be cool for a question and answer episode, it can be silly or serious. Um, you can send those to the podcast email. And if we get enough, we'll do an episode. And that's going to be leavingedenpod at gmail.com. Thank you. Yep. Um, and we also kind of talk about poll- we, uh, in, in the Facebook group. I also like to poll listeners about, oh, would you be interested if I did an episode on this? Um, so even if it doesn't ever make it to air, you get to hear some of my more <laughs> out there episode ideas yeah but sadie Mm -hmm. these are interesting times you can say these are interesting times you'd say right oh yes yeah times that are full of lies and conspiracy and i know that i have seen more than a few lately but you know i seem to remember that in an earlier episode you mentioned that the ifb are sort of likely to believe all sorts of conspiracy theories you know urban legends pretty much anything that can be found on snopes.com yes there is just an incredibly broad collection of myths urban legends and conspiracy theories that are prominent with lots of conservative christians um both from behind the pulpit and now that social media is more of a thing Church members use that platform as well for the same theories. Um, disturbingly, it's some of the same theories that seem to be foundational to QAnon. Um, it's I'm not saying that that QAnon and the IFB are the same thing by any means, but they have they have theories in common. Uh, some There's going to be some overlap there oh, in believers uh, too. Oh, yeah, um, heavy overlap as far as I can see from my experience. Um, Yikes! Some main topics of interest tend to be supposed proofs of creationism, uh, supposed proofs of the Great Flood, uh, other Bible stories that they're trying to prove true. Uh, Like there's there's a common urban legend about a man who got swallowed by a whale, which is supposedly proof that it happened to Jonah the way that it was portrayed in the Bible. Um, Oh, that was like really, really popular. Um, Supposed proofs of the existence of heaven and hell. Uh, urban legends about people who like died for five minutes and went to heaven and came back. 
that sort of thing. And of course, just just a a plethora of anti-gay rhetoric. So it's sort of like the type of stuff where you were taught in school about the Loch Ness monster is real and is a, a definite proof of young earth creationism. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly like that. If there are some listeners out there who were raised IFB and immediately thought of the old urban legend about the drill that was drilled in Siberia into the Earth's core and a microphone was put down there and the sounds of hell came out of the hole, um, I wanted to let you know that that was the first thing that I thought of as well, and uh, I'm planning an episode on it. (laughs) I have so many questions. (laughs) That story is absolutely wild. Um. And it was broadcast on some some major Christian television as what? truth. So it goes outside the IFB. Um, I was terrified of that story for for most of my life, and it's really symptomatic of the culture of conspiracy theories and misguided beliefs in the IFB and other similar groups. So the IFB would I don't know like maybe believe that Walt Disney was being frozen alive underneath the castle of magical dreams in Disneyland. Sure. I mean, that's not something I'd expect to hear from behind the pulpit, most likely, unless it was hand in hand with a conspiracy theory about Disney being involved in human trafficking or Disney existing to make children into Satanists. Um, Like, well, you know, the the myth that people might be aware of uh, the word sex being spelled out subliminally in the Lion King, um, that old, myth oh yeah i saw that i've i've seen about i've seen these ones where they're like oh yeah dirty easter eggs hidden in in disney movies and stuff where it's really just like the animators just some of them are just the animators screwing around and then some of them like the one that where it supposedly says sex in the lion king it's sfx it's special effects like the special effects department Oh, it was and like shouting just, themselves out. Yeah, they're just like putting that in there, and, and then the IFB gets a hold of that, and they're like, "Oh, it's a cameo!" Like, because children to, know yeah. the word "sex," and that's gonna damage them somehow to read it on a screen. Anyway, before we get off off track on that, um, yeah, like I said, a lot of these theories are predecessors to what is now QAnon, and a lot of them come from uh, theories about so-called satanic ritual abuse which is a conspiracy theory from the satanic panic of the late 70s through the 90s. Mm. So that one example is um, the, the idea of adrenochrome, which is the, the a QAnon theory. Um, that is a rehashed version of satanic ritual abuse, which comes from the late 70s. So what I'm saying is that, that these are not new ideas. They've been going around for decades and there are these myths that become really common, like the idea of backmasking in music. And it spreads through word of mouth, and these theories get rehashed with every new generation or every new iteration. You know, they, it was one thing when you were hearing it over the phone or from your neighbor, and then it became another thing when you read it in an email. And now it's another thing that you're reading it on social media. But right. it's the email same forwards. basic theory. Oh, man, the early yeah, 2000s, come, they're <laughs> coming back. They're 2004, baby. Email forwards. Pop punk is coming back. Uh, like, you know. I feel like pop punk is possibly coming back. Pop punk is back already, man. Yeah, because, like, I know people in bands. Oh, yeah. Pop punk is, it's a thing again. People are really excited about it. And, like, it's all, it like, cool. the people. I was this. See, I was never an emo kid. That's the thing is that I was never an emo kid. And so like all the, the pop punk revival thing, I'm just kind of like, eh, it wasn't my thing back then. It's not my thing now. Um, 
See, yeah. I'm, I'm down for it. Anyway. Oh, I'm down for it. You know, I'm down for any kind of music that people like, unless That's it's true. like, uh, uh, have you ever listened to Broken Side? No. Okay, never mind. I, I, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, what I'm trying to express before we get too deep into any one particular conspiracy theory is that these things are, are generational and that a lot of times it's the same theory that's kind of just been redone for the next generation. Yeah. And I feel that in my experience, it was completely acceptable in the IFB to peddle this kind of conspiracy theory as truth. Um, so you get just the slightest like hint of something that could be called proof and things were never fact checked. So a lot of time the proof would be that the the copy like the copy pasted email would start with Time magazine published or according to the Wall Street Journal but it was never actually in Time magazine or the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I've also seen some very unscientific sources used like I've seen chicken soup for the soul used as a source to try to prove the truthfulness of a story <laughs> yeah well i mean it's like uh how how different is this from that uh jack hiles like standing in the pulpit being like i have a letter that says that mm-hmm. that's my from point it's the not. judge in arkansas that says that the reason why this man murdered all of those people was because he stopped going to church <laughs> and he wrote me a letter personally to tell you that like it's <laughs> exactly <laughs> no it's like that like you know if you get people who are like i mean they'll believe anything right and and sourceless that's an uh, an excellent example of how sourceless information reading his phone bill is acceptable yeah Mm-hmm. So the first, anyway, all of this to say, like a lot of these individual theories. If this episode is interesting to people, uh, I have several more that I want to do individual episodes on. Oh, we're gonna talk way more about this, especially the the digging the hole to Siberia one. Um, you're gonna love that one <laughs> so much. Uh, we're gonna play the audio on the show, the audio that haunted my dreams as a child. We're gonna play it on the show. Are you sure that won't be too traumatic for you? I'll be fine. You'll be I'm fine. Tough. Okay. It'll give you nightmares. It will probably give me nightmares, but also I'm pregnant and everything gives me nightmares, so it's fine. Yeah, what were we what were we talking about? Uh you were gonna talk about people being possessed all the time. Oh yeah. So okay. So these so I think that it's weird because like these people, so these these people, the IFB people, they believe that people are just straight up being possessed left right and center and so they're doing exorcisms all the time and so the devil is always coming for you and trying to sneak himself into your life so you like have to be constantly vigilant so like that constant vigilance you know sound like mad eye moody but that constant vigilance just morphs itself into like a weirdo paranoia yes um so you actually just quoted a scripture verse without knowing it it's be sober if you be sober be vigilant for your adversary, the devil walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So what yeah, literally, literally, be vigilant, huh? What book's that in? Oh, I, I don't know. It's the sequels. Okay. The devil's one and only job on this earth is to keep people from getting saved and keep people who are already saved from being good Christians. The devil is looking for any way to get into your life. So we talked a tiny bit before about the eye gate and the ear gate, how your senses are ways for the devil to influence you. Well, it turns out that even food and beverages can be a gateway for Satan as well. 
So when I go to Taco Bell and I order the Diablo sauce, that's the devil trying to get into my life? I mean, I think we'd have to look at a packet of Diablo sauce to know for sure to see if we can find any hidden satanic imagery. Well, I can tell you that the Diablo sauce does satanic things to my digestive system. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of... (laughs) Speaking of stomach-turning things, today we are talking about something that does slightly make me feel queasy, if not because of the content of the specific viral video that we're discussing, but also because of the person behind the video and her ideologies. And of course, I'm talking about the monster energy drink lady, Christine Wyke. Christine went viral in the early 2010s due to a video of her explaining supposed satanic symbolism on cans of monster energy drink. So, Gabi, have you seen this video? Oh, I've seen the video. I've seen it like eight or 12 times. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember when this first came out and I sent it to all my friends. Like, we like we had so- – oh, it was the funniest shit. Like, like, when she's like, the devil laughs. You know, that's right. how we were laughing. She's like, monster energy drink, bottoms right. up, upside down cross, the devil laughs. And we were laughing. <laughs> No, my, like so so my husband knows that I'm recording. <laughs> my husband's a big fan of this video as well, and he knows that I'm doing this episode. So over the last couple of days, when I've been if I've been cooking dinner or if I'm in a different room in the house, he'll walk into the room that I'm in whenever he's to to like finish whatever he's drinking, just so he can say the line "bottoms up" and the devil laughs. That's a great. Yeah, um, I mean, he's a metal musician, right? Yeah, that should he's be like been a following line. me around with that line. That should be a line in one of his songs, right? I mean, that's like a metal line if ever there was one. Like, bottoms up and the devil laughs. Yeah, See, that's awesome. Um, he's made very cool experimental music using samples from viral videos before. Oh. Um, so now I'm, I'm trying to push him into doing this one. Bottoms um, up and the devil laughs. I have to play, I'm gonna, I'll send you that one of the songs that he did. I think you'll find it interesting. Actually, that could be like an Iron Maiden song. Like, bottoms up and the devil laughs. Like, oh, yeah, that would be like yeah, a no, good like Iron fine. Maiden song with a middly, 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 middly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you're in some kind of mood because we just did Striper homework a little bit ago. We did. And I talked about Iron Maiden. <laughs> and then I listened to a bunch of Iron Maiden, man. Iron Maiden's great. Yeah. Anyway, uh, full disclosure, as best as I can tell, Christine Wyke is not IFB, particularly. There is enough crossover between her other religious views and the exact content of the Monster Energy video and the IFB's beliefs that I felt like it was worthwhile to talk about her video. Um, She uses some specific techniques that I've discussed before, I think, in the prophecy episode, including using the numerology of Hebrew letters. And that's a common IFB technique. Um, so anyway, those are some of the reasons I thought it was worthwhile to give her an episode on this show. Well, should we get into the exact claims that she makes in her video? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, that this woman's principal claim is that monster energy is an avenue through which the devil can enter your life. So the M logo on the monster energy drink can corresponds with the number 666 and the letter O on the can contains a cross which when you drink a a monster energy drink is going to turn upside down yes 
And I just thought of, a, of an analogy that needs to go here. The religious people who believe in possession, religious Christians who believe in possession in the, the way that IFB and other evangelical groups do, believe that the devil is kind of like a vampire. You know, you have to, a vampire can't come into your house unless you invite it in, right? Yeah. So they believe that the devil can't possess you unless you invite him in. However, you know how vampires can trick you into inviting them in? In like some vampire legends? Oh, yeah. So they they'll can- knock on your door and be like, oh, I need to use the bathroom. Sorry, it's a, it's an emergency. You'll be like, oh, come on in. And then they'll be like, yes, I'm in. Now I can suck your blood. Right. So the devil can trick you into inviting him in without even knowing it. Like we said in the um, in the Exorcist uh, episode, where the what was the quote? They're like the uh, the demon is a liar, but he will mix lies with the truth mm-hmm. to confuse you, or to manipulate you, or to attack right. you. So the devil can't just jump on a, a random person and be like, "I've possessed you now." But the devil can trick you into inviting possession. And that can happen through a, a, a can of energy drink with satanic energy or satanic um, imagery. So the first thing we have to tackle is a 666 claim. Yeah. Uh, you will hear this woman claim that the Hebrew letter Vav corresponds to the number six. So this is similar to in English. The letter A is associated with the numeral one, B with two, C with three. So maybe when you were a little kid, you used a code to write notes with your friends where you assigned a number to a letter and used that to send secret messages. Maybe you got super fancy and used 26 for A and 25 for B, 24 for C, and so on. Yeah. So in Hebrew, this is like an actual thing, like mm-hmm. where people – so if you see people talk about the number 18 being like a special number in Hebrew for Jewish people, it, it, con- it corresponds to the, the word high, like high, yeah. Which is uh, related to life or like life force, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So it's like an actual thing. And this is this is a more formal association in Hebrew than it is in English. Like in English, it's a loose association. Okay, this is like stronger. And it's not just a made up thing for people who are trying to identify the Antichrist or predict the rapture or figure out what energy drinks are satanic. Yeah, that's that's correct. So it's like that's absolutely true. So the the. The letter Vav is is uh, associated with the number six. Okay. So this lady... That's real. Okay. So that's good to know that this is starting with an element of truth. So Christine Wyke noticed that the monster energy catchphrase was release the beast. And I guess that kind of free associated for her with the beast of... <laughs> <laughs> with the beast of Revelation. Uh, in Revelation, the beast is a is a person who sort of is a right hand man to the Antichrist. It your people's interpretations vary wildly on who exactly the beast is. Um, the way I was raised, it was he's he's a person who's like if the Antichrist hypothetically was the president, this guy would be the vice president. So um, wait, 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 wait. So yeah. maybe the beast is just Marshawn Lynch. I don't get it. You know Marshawn Lynch, the football player. He goes beast mode and then – Oh. Yeah, you've never seen that on, on TV. He used to play for the Seahawks and then he played for the Raiders. Is he still in the I know league? the I know name. Like, I know the name like he's a football player, but that's – Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. Now. Yeah, great I player. Haven't had, uh, I haven't had regular TV in a very five years. When he would uh, – uh, when he would like, you know, 
break through like all the defenders, you know, and 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 oh. uh, he, I, he he would get a ton of rushing yards, and when he would like you know get all of his he when he would have like a really long carry, it would be like beast mode. Oh, He'd okay. go through like the whole D line, and just like. He he broke like there there was some clip of him breaking like twenty tackles in one play. It was wild. Holy cow! Yeah, I'll send that to you. That's wild. Marshawn Lynch, he was a great player. Okay, well, okay, yeah. so maybe he's maybe he is going to be the right hand man to the Antichrist. Yeah, he'd call it beast mode. So maybe uh, she's just uh, talking about Marshawn Lynch. So Monster Energy Drinks, apparent association with an evil person, prophesied in Revelation, made Christine suspicious of the potential satanic intentions. Of Monster Energy, the company. So I guess the next thing she did was start looking into the Hebrew alphabet hmm. to see if she could find six six six. I don't know exactly. Like I don't know. Maybe she did the. She looked. You remember in the prophecy episode, I told you. Oh well, you could check the numerology in English, and if that doesn't work, you can try Greek, and if that doesn't work, you can try Hebrew. Yeah. So I, what I am secretly curious about is how many iterations did she have to go through to like find. A 666. Well, she does find it in the M logo, M in monster. She thinks it represents three of the Hebrew letter Vav, so 666. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I got to say, so I'm, I'm looking at the monster energy logo right now. I think her logic is low-key pretty sound. <laughs> like I'm, lo- I'm looking at this logo. Like... It looks like three Vav letters, like slightly misshapen, but not unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. I always thought that the Monster Energy logo was supposed to look like, you know, something with like three talons, like a, a bird claw or like claws or something had clawed through the can from behind. Like it was trying to get out like there was a monster in the can. Right. Just... But now I think this drink is actually the work of Satan. So interestingly, and I promise not to go super off track on this one, in the video, Christine has a black poster board. It kind of looks like the vibe is very much like a high school science fair project. It's a black poster board with different images and different visual aids that she's using to help sell her thoughts about Monster. I was fact checking before we did this episode or before we went to recording about whether the the letter Vav is associated with the number six. And I googled Hebrew letter six. And what I got was an identical image to the one she's using on this board. Which is interesting because it kind of makes me wonder if she was kind of doing her research backwards. I think she was assuming that there is a 666 somewhere on this package. I just have to find it. Like she's starting from the assumption that there is a 666 and I have to find it. Rather than starting from the question, could there be a 666 on this package? So it's like they're a confirmation bias. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's more interesting than that, though, is the website this image comes from. Like, holy sh**, dude. It contains every single instance of Christians appropriating Judaism, like Hebrew language and Jewish history that I have ever heard of and dozens more. So, of course, I couldn't prove that this image came from this particular blog or originated there. And I can't believe, I can't prove that Christine Wyke believes all of this because it's a simple image, so it could have come from anywhere. 
but I found it. I thought that was an interesting connection anyway, that this, the same image came up on this website that is like super appropriative. So clearly this website did not appropriate the booming Israeli tech industry's excellent web design because this website gave my eyes cancer. Oh, no. Maybe I can find a good Jewish doctor to cure it. <laughs> you having trouble telling this your own jokes so today? Bad. What? I said this website looks so bad. We'll oh. have a link to it. We'll put a link to it. It's it's terrible. It's horrible. It's like nineties AOL website with like you know. With... Have you not noticed that a lot of Christian websites are really bad? It's oh, I have you. noticed that. That's not new, but okay. it's still it's still hilarious. It looks like okay. Uh, I was just gonna all say- their suits are from the nineties. All their web design <laughs> is from the nineties as well. I tell you, okay. So I assigned uh, uh, say uh, you guys are gonna. Oh, you guys have already heard this. You guys have already heard that I assigned her Sex in the City because we're doing the 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 homework episodes different weeks than we're doing the regular episodes. Uh, you guys have already heard that episode, but man, I started watching that show and like the, the, the suits in that man, they look like they're swimming. Every time you see a man in that TV show, like the pants are so baggy. Ooh. Like the IFB, that's where you like when I was watching the IFB and I was like, oh, man, these people need a tailor. Like it was really just all their suits. They bought them in the 90s and then they never got a new one. Like that's what's going on here. Well, I was going to say, um, if this website gave you eye cancer, <laughs> that maybe instead you could just get an eye patch and then plagiarize a bunch of songs and then you could be the next patch of the pirate. <laughs> You like that? I did like that. That's a, that's a funny one. <laughs> yeah, good. Anyway. Zing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you said earlier, <laughs> we can get ourselves together here. The O in monster has a cross shape in it. And that's Christine's next proof of the secret satanic messaging on this can. Okay, so see, this is the part for me where things start to get a little bit fuzzy because I can see the 666, but the cross, I mean, it's it's not so distinctive. Or maybe it's just like one of those the devil is being sneaky things where, you know, I mean, but wouldn't it have made more sense to have the letter T in monster be the cross? Maybe that would have been too obvious like I, I don't know maybe the devil needs to be sneakier than that because we sorry dog whistle we live in a christian nation um and people wouldn't accept this if it were too obvious i find it really disturbing that sir lewis hamilton a christian athlete would allow himself to be sponsored by a clearly satanic energy drink I mean, maybe his seven world drivers championships and all time record for race wins were fueled by the power of the devil and all of the Sir Lewis Hamilton haters were justified in their hatred and they're not just racists. Well, see, I take issue with the idea that the upside down cross is satanic to begin with. It is sometimes used or considered to be a satanic symbol, but it's actually the farthest thing from a satanic symbol. Um, even the really? Church of Satan, yeah, the Church of Satan had to go on Twitter and be like, "Hey, this is not us. Like, that's a Christian symbol. This this ain't us." Yeah, but also they're Satanists, so they're probably lying to you. 
Like the the, I, the fact is that they're saying that the upside down cross is not one of their symbols is probably the greatest proof that we have that it is in fact one of their symbols. Yeah, the IFB scripture you're looking for is John eight forty four, which talks about Satan being a liar and the father of all liars. But the thing is, the upside down cross is called a Petrine cross, and it's called that because Saint Peter, um, when he was captured and about to be crucified. He requested to be crucified upside down because he felt like he wasn't worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus. Weird, but okay. I mean, a lot of the original followers of Jesus were martyred, which makes sense in a logical sense and in a religious sense. And a lot of traditions about the method of their deaths and their last words still persist. Um, anyway, I, I don't find the upside down cross thing as proof of the monster energy thing. I don't find that too compelling because it, it honestly is not a satanic symbol. I swear I've seen that O though before, like the the, the, the sort of square looking O with the vertical strike through it. Okay, are you thinking of a Greek letter phi? No, because the phi is a circle and like the O is like a square. Okay, I, think, I don't know. Maybe I was watching anime or something. <sighs> Or maybe like a Kung Fu movie. I don't know. It might have been Avatar The Last Airbender. I swear I've seen that before. But it was like Asian. It wasn't European. Hmm. Okay. If you, if know you what know what is, this yeah. is, write us. Um, yeah, please let me. Please send me a message. Please tell me. Post it in the Facebook group. Tell me what I'm looking for. I know I've seen it before. Tell tell us before we lose. one of us loses our minds. Yeah. Okay. I'm just saying that if I was making this stuff up about monster, though, I would have said that it was a feat because in Greek, it's associated with that which gives life. So she could have more easily said that, like, oh, this is mocking God or this is saying that there's another life giver other than God. That's kind of a stretch, though. I'm uh, Yes, but so is the 666 thing and so is the cross thing. OK, but it's more of a stretch than the 666. I can see that's more of a stretch than the cross thing. Really? Yeah, the 666 thing, I can see that. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, this is kind of anticlimactic. Those are the only two things that are the actual religious issues that this lady has with the Monster Energy drink logo branding. After she goes over those two things, she makes a quick pit stop to be offended by the BFC branding, which was on the particular can that she was holding. It stood for Big Effing Can. Yeah, and... That's. I think that's got more to do with Monster Energy's target demographic being man children named Kyle who punch through drywall than it has got to do with anything else. Yeah, it's not really clear why she pauses to be offended by, by that, given that she's already convinced that the entire company is full of Satanists. <laughs> um, I don't know about you. Most Satanists I know are pretty sweary. Um, she has also read on the package that MILFs dig it, referring to Monster <laughs> So, combined, do you know what a milf is? That's what that's she her asks do rhetorically. Do you know what a milf is? Very angrily, which is Very kind of funny. Angry. Yeah, which is. <laughs> so the fact that the package mentions that combined with the BFC is her proof that this is not a Christian company. And if this is a Christian company, if this if it's not a Christian company and there's a cross on it, then it must be satanic. So that's kind of where the hate to use the word logic, but that's kind of where the logic comes from. I mean, I can see how this would make sense to somebody if their entire worldview is basically the devil is everywhere and we need to constantly be on our toes from him so that we don't get possessed by demons who want to keep us from being Christians. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the further I get away from the IFB, the more I see how this does come off as complete batch to people who don't believe that the devil is everywhere trying to possess randos and get them to commit human sacrifices. Um, yeah. I, I can tell you, though, at the time, it made pretty good sense. Um, you know, theories like this. Anyway, this video, this is how this woman went viral. And then she ended up on Comedy Central being interviewed by Daniel Tosh. Sorry, I got hiccups. Oh, no. From laughing too hard. Pour oh, myself dear. some more tea. So, so what we are talking about here is the Comedy Central show Tosh.0. And in one of the recurring segments, the host, Daniel Tosh, like what he does is he gets people who had viral videos to come on the show and then he interviews them. It's called Web Redemption. So we're going to put a link to this in the show notes as well, uh, as well as the link to the original video that we are talking about. Now, I have seen this clip from Tosh.0. And what I find most intriguing about this show is how quickly it becomes clear that she is 100% serious. Like she goes on this show and she, like she does crack a few jokes here and there. Like she's clearly like low key in on the joke, but also she is a hundred percent straight, like with him the entire time. Like she absolutely believes that all of this stuff is real. Yeah. I get the same impression. Even if you look back at the original video, this woman is very smug. Yeah. And I think that can be chalked up to, I think she's really thinking, I've discovered one of the devil's tricks and I am making Satan less effective. And you'd think that her smugness would come off as really obnoxious and to an extent it does. But you can also, even through her smugness, you can really see that she's actually sincere. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, also at the beginning of the video, she, like, pulls up to the TV studio where, like, driving one of those Red Bull Mini Coopers, you know, like how they used to do where, yeah. they, would, where they would send, like, Mini Coopers around with a giant Red Bull can on them. They still do them. that. They, there was one outside where we used to work. Like, oh, for real? Right before the lockdown, yeah. Okay, you know what I, I low-key want to do? Because uh, Red Bull Red Bull owns two Formula One teams, and I'm sorry, I, all I'm doing is talking about Formula One racing this episode. It's the off season; I can think about nothing else except for the season coming back. But I really want to get like one of those Red Bull cars and then drive it to a, a Formula One race, and then like I, I don't know, I, I'm trying to figure out where to go from there. But what like the rest of your plan is, yeah. But like you, you know how they used to do? Like they would drive around in the Red Bull in a like a Mini Cooper with oh, yeah. Red Bull branding all over it with a giant Red Bull can on the top and give out Red Bulls from it. Like they'd hire people to just drive around in a Red Bull car and hand out Red Bulls like on college campuses at my high school, oh, yeah. like wherever. I'm yeah. pretty sure somebody I know used to be a Monster Energy girl who did like pretty much the same thing. Yeah, they just they just drive around and do it. But she pulls up in one of those cars. <laughs> so yeah. it's that's clearly like a joke. She's like, yeah, Red Bull, no monster. <laughs> right like she's in on it but she's, she's in still, on the joke but she's still like completely sincere about like no this is like signs of a literal satan this takes me back to something that i heard her say in the interview in which she says something along the lines of oh my worst fear is that i meet somebody 
and that I don't share the gospel with them. And that as a result of that, they end up in hell. Now, that is a sentiment that I have heard you say almost word for word being central to your upbringing. Yes. And I can't confirm whether she is any kind of IFB, like by name, but this is absolutely an IFB stance. Um, Okay, here's my first fancy theology term that I'm going to drop on the podcast. Are you ready? Oh, go for it. She has a hyper-evangelical Arminian belief. What does this have to do with the Arminians? Uh, Arminian is the opposite of Calvinist. They got got genocided. Not those Arminians. Uh, uh, Arminian is in the opposite of Calvinist. So Calvinist Calvinist basically, in one sentence... Calvinists believe that your destination in heaven is pretty much like a done deal and there's not very much you can do about it. Arminians believe that you going to heaven is completely and totally dependent on the decisions that you make in life. Uh, specifically whether or not you accept Jesus. Okay. I will we'll do a whole episode. I don't understand why they got to call themselves Arminians. Well, I don't either. That's why I, I mean, have to Ar- study Armenia it. is a country. I don't know if like I don't know if the belief came from there or like Christians who lived there or what. Like I have to look it up so I the can. The Kardashians tell you. are Arminians. Are they? Yeah. I mean, Did I can't know look that. It. No, I don't know anything about the Kardashians. All that space in my head is taken up by Duggars. <laughs> no, I'll look it up and explain it to you. But she is a hyper evangelical Arminian. Hyper. Okay. So here's so was she wearing jeans in the video? She's wearing a skirt in the first monster video, but she's wearing jeans in the Tosh video. Hmm. And also, as we look into her personal story, which we'll get into in a little bit here, she has been divorced and remarried. So that's another mark against her being specifically IFB. Yeah, but so is David Hiles. Uh, right. Right. So there are some IFB churches who like aren't as strict on women wearing pants, and there are some that aren't as strict on divorce. But it's really, really rare. So I can't know for sure like what exact group of or denomination of Christians she belongs to. So she may not be IFB, but her conspiracy theories are like, are those the type of things that you would hear growing up? Like, is this monster energy thing, is that the sort of thing that you could hear a pastor warn you about? Absolutely. First, this conspiracy theory fits exactly the kind of things that I grew up hearing and the kind of thing that still circulates in the IFB and similar groups. Second, this woman absolutely holds some of the same theological views and even many of the same opinions, uh, which she has made clear uh, by some of her activism in the time between her going viral and now. So what sort of activism is it that we're talking about? So the the, the Tosh segment, if you watch the, the Tosh video on this woman, which, by the way, um, probably not a great idea to watch with children in the room. Not going to tell you what to do, but it's there's some <laughs> mature jokes towards the end. Um, the end of that segment is him saying that the one thing that they ask of people that they give a platform on their show is that the guests not do anything which would embarrass the show in the time between the interview and the time that it airs. Because, you know, he's got a lot of people who are kind of friends or have different beliefs that he gives, he does on, he talks to on the web redemption section of his show. Of course, Christine did not follow that very well. I'm sure that she just couldn't help herself. 
Yeah, she couldn't help her. So on the way home from being from recording like her Tosh taping. Oh, God. On the way home, she was driving through Texas uh, where she decided to interrupt the featured speaker at the seventh annual Texas Muslim Capital Day. She and other protesters were holding anti-Muslim signs at the event, which is unfortunate, but probably expected at a Muslim event in Texas. I'd assume. I mean, even even here in Portland, we get conservative protesters here and there. There was like a decent group of Christians protesting the Kiss concert I went to. I saw Christian protesters at an Ariana Grande concert. What? They had, yeah, they had signs of pictures of aborted fetuses on them. I'm oh, not no. sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what that had to do with like Ariana Grande. Maybe they were just trying to traumatize her target demographic of teenage girls. That's terrible. Yeah. It's so strange to me. So I've attended many concerts that should probably be of more concern to that type of Christian than Ariana Grande or Kiss. But why did those two get the protesters? I mean, you'd think at least they'd be protesting her song, God is a Woman. Right. I mean, why Why would you need that kind of imagery at an Ariana Grande? That's so inappropriate and sad. It was, but it's it's weird to me. So I've seen I've seen King Diamond, no protesters. Downtown Portland, no protesters. I saw Ghost, uh, no protesters. I mean, but like, a Ariana Grande has more, like, is more famous than both. Right, of Right, but she's not satanic. Both of those are. Well, yeah, yeah, but like she, I don't know, maybe. I, I don't. I, I'm just saying that they're like. They're just like, don't get an abortion or this is what ha-. like they're just like because I mean, I went I don't know. I went to that concert. It was like me and my brother uh, and some, you know, and th- there was like some people who were like our age, maybe who were dudes who were like music fans. And then like but like most of the, the concert goers were teenage girls and like 20 something girls and like, mm-hmm. y- you know, like college age girls and they're parent or you know and the teenagers parents like yeah young women from ages of like eight to 25 is what i saw there so maybe they're just like yeah there's gonna be women there let's uh, a lot of young women here a lot of young women there we need to talk to them about that's even creepier that's that's awful anyway um i would assume this this event in texas um it is it is a specifically muslim event in texas Mm mm-hmm I would assume that they were probably prepared for some people holding signs and yelling outside in the parking lot. Uh, Christine, though, she after holding signs and yelling in the parking lot as people came in, she somehow made her way up behind the person speaking and like wrenched the microphone away and started ranting about Jesus, how Islam is trying to dominate the world, but is- Islam will never dominate America and Islam will never to- dominate Texas. Until security dragged her out. And we're, I mean, probably not surprisingly, this is neither the first nor the last time she had interrupted a specifically Muslim event. So with this quote unquote activism, she seems to focus on political events and pretty much have the same MO at these events. Like she'll protest with signs and and look like she's just going to like stand outside with a big old cardboard sign. But then she will find a way to steal a microphone or shout over people. And it's always the same kind of phrases about how Muslims will not dominate us. So basically, she's like the Wish.com version of Westboro Baptist Church. 
I mean, that's not a terrible description. Um, it's not just Muslim events that she's been known to protest. Before she went viral, she had been filmed, and this is really funny. She had been filmed by a news station standing by the side of the road on Mother's Day with a sign reading, Thank your mom today for not being gay. <laughs> but what if your mom's gay? So she seems to be operating <laughs> on the incorrect notion that only straight people can reproduce and that queer people can't or don't have children or adopt children just like other people do. What if you've got two moms? You have to thank both of them for not being gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but, yeah, but then you get the day off on Father's Day probably, so it all evens out. Yeah. You don't have to thank your dad. No, two Mother's Day gifts on the same day? Yikes. Yeah. I mean, oh, life is work. rough. Life is rough. Yeah. That's why children should be raised by a mom and a dad. <laughs> one gift for, for one mom on Saturday, one mom on Sunday. There we go. That'll work. Yeah, that, that'll work. Anyway. I mean, I see that's the thing is that if if I were gay, I would have and I had kids, I would be so mad about having to share Father's Day. I would be like, no, this is my day. <laughs> Well, Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, I I don't I don't know what they do for Father's Day, but one of them is Papa and one of them is Dad. So okay, maybe sure, they split like, up the holiday too. Like maybe one of them celebrates on like in May, and the one of them celebrates in June. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I just feel like if if anybody's doing gay parenting right, it's probably Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, you never know. That's, that's I don't know for that's sure. Thing. That's just my perception. I well, like Neil Patrick Harris. I love How I Met Your Mother. That show was really good. I love Neil Patrick Harris a lot. Now, it might interest you to know, though, um, while the news station was filming uh, Christine's Mother's Day anti-gay <laughs> protest, they got footage of someone with a good arm throwing a, slop- a strawberry slushie at her. <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> It's really nice. She got her right in the face. It was great. So pretty soon we're going to find out that slushy is an acronym for um, sending losers underground straight to hell for. Uh, for everlasting eternity. Everlasting eternity. There we go. Okay. That's perfect. But like, yes, <laughs> really, this lady does love a good acronym. But like, like when she was on Tosh.0, when she was on Tosh's program, she was like, what, what was it that she said Tosh stands for? Uh, I think she said it was taking others straight to hell. <laughs> yeah. But Tosh asked her why she would say that. And I think her response was really interesting because she comes back with, because it's true. And this goes back to what you were saying about her sincerity. It appears to me that in her mind, this the fact that the acronym works out is actually some form of support for her opinion that Tosh is, in fact, taking others straight to hell. Like, she actually, and this is what I am seeing in the way she spoke. I think she actually does believe that her opinion means more because there's an acronym that supports it. So if my name were going to be an acronym, what would it be? I think it would be good, amazing voice, Really intelligent and extremely. What's an L word that starts with a word that starts with L that means handsome? Luscious, extremely luscious. There we go. Oh, well, that was that was a flashback <laughs> to making acronyms for people's names in the fourth grade. I got all A's in the fourth grade, man. That was my year. 
And as a result, my maturity and sense of humor haven't evolved since then. But in all seriousness, who is this lady? Because like, I, I, if this feels like another situation like we had with the Duggars, where some weirdo gets their break on TV, and so like you know we can laugh at them, but then they use this opportunity to show their religious extremist tendencies. I was wondering the same thing. So I took some time to look into this lady's backstory. And uh, it is much more of a wild ride than I thought it would be. (laughs) So let's take a minute to take up the offering. And when we come back, we can get into what made Christine Wake the person that she is. Okay, okay, okay. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, Gavrielle here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's facebook.com slash Exodus. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash leavingedenpodcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden Podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. Okay, so we are back. And we are here talking about this woman, Christine Wyke. Is it Wyke? It's Wyke, yeah. Wyke, Wyke, Christine Wyke. She says, if you watch the video of the slushy video, she says Wyke. Okay, so so this is a woman, she gained mild internet fame for declaring that monster energy is satanic. And then we went into this thinking that it would be like just some goofy episode that we could laugh at this nutcase. But this story is about to take a hard left turn when you just dig a little bit into who this woman is. Yeah. So I was able – I wanted to know kind of where some of these extreme anti-gay beliefs, anti-Muslim beliefs were coming from and maybe where she got the idea that Satanists are everywhere, which led her to find Satanism on a Monster Energy drink can. (sighs) Um, And I was able to find a video of her telling some of her own life story. And that was very enlightening. And very sad as well. I agree. So according to this video, yeah, Christine was raised in the Christian Reformed denomination. So the upbringing that she describes, obviously, that's not IFB, but it sounds very similar because she talks about not being able to wear pants, go to movies, listen to popular music, a lot of things that sound practically similar to the IFB. And we will have a link to this interview for everybody who wants to watch it, put in the show notes. Um, 
but it's fascinating to hear her talk about this stuff. Um, I think for me, probably the most interesting part was seeing her talk about growing, like the growing resentment that she had towards her parents uh, for the way in which she was raised. Yes. And that's where her story really gets interesting. She says that she became rebellious due to the strictness of her parents. And then she started using a Ouija board. And this experimentation led her further into the, the occult and being involved with the occult gave her a sex addiction by the time she was just 14 or 15. Okay, so this story went from zero to 100 real fast. Yeah. But I want to back up really quick. So, Sadie, as a person living in Portland, Oregon, you know, Satan's tattoo parlor, uh, <laughs> do you know anybody who is involved with the occult? And, you know, in Satanism with whatnot. Do I know yeah. anybody who isn't is a better question. I'm not. I don't uh, know anything about this stuff. I've lived true. here my whole life. I don't know anything about this stuff. No, I do know. I know a wide variety of people who are involved in many different pagan and occult practices. Like, I know Levian Satanists. I know non levian Satanists. I know kitchen witches. I know brush witches. I know green witches. Uh, and a few card-carrying members of the Church of Satan. I don't know if I know any members of the Satanic Temple, but I'd be pretty surprised to find out that I didn't. Yeah, I don't know what any of those things are. But let me ask you, have any of the Satanists that you know ever told you about the use of a Ouija board during Satanic rituals? So are Ouija boards a tool of Satanic ritual abuse? No. Ouija boards are a toy, like an accessory. They were literally invented or copyrighted by, what is that gaming, the game Hasbro, I think. Um, but it's either them or the other people who make games who I can't remember at the moment. Um, Ouija boards are literally a toy. Some people do use them in rituals, but not for anything serious. People, like a witch who was trying to catch a spell cast a spell or summon a demon would have no use for a Ouija board. I promise. None. People like people like to get little purses shaped like them or have them on t-shirts or have like tiny little cute Ouija earrings. Um, but that's more symbolic. It's like, oh, it's a symbol of somebody who is somewhat involved in the occult. But it, but the boards themselves are not actually useful for any kind of actual occult ritual that I know of. So... In Christine's interview, she describes the Ouija board literally as like a gateway drug to Satanism. Like she's like – she says, I think like not everyone who uses a Ouija board will become a Satanist, but it's just like not everyone who goes into a bar will become an alcoholic. Like, this is a, not an uncommon belief among Christian fundamentalists. Uh, I would make the analogy to people saying weed is a gateway drug. Consuming weed is not going to make a person biologically any more likely to try other drugs. The gateway factor is that if you happen to live in an illegal state, then you've potentially made a connection who will sell you an illegal substance and they might sell you different illegal substances that are more dangerous than weed. Her analogy with alcohol isn't awful, but the flaw in her analogy is that bars have alcohol in them and Ouija boards don't have demons in them. Correction. Ouija boards allegedly don't have demons in them. You know, Mythbusters say they don't. Yeah, but that's just what the demons want you to think. 
Anyway, I'm absolutely certain that when our friend Christine was playing with a Ouija board, she fully believed that she was becoming involved with the occult and demons. I assume because she had been warned so heavily against using the Ouija board that this was something that she could very easily like glom onto and say, yes, I did this. This was satanic. Like, because this is just like the first satanic thing that springs to mind for her because she'd been warned so heavily about it. You know, that's, I don't think that's a bad theory at all. I think that's really valid. Um, what I wanted to say about this supposed sex addiction is that from what I've read, psychologists aren't in agreement as to whether or not sex addiction really exists um, the way that, at least not the way that it's seen like in the popular mindset. In my opinion, though, for a 14 or 15 year old kid to say that they have a sex addiction, I mean, my first thought would be that that person is not getting positive attention at home from their parents. They have a rift with their parents, maybe, and they are seeking out sexual attention as a method of feeling wanted or feeling desirable. Um, I am not a professional and, you know, teenage problems are real problems and teenagers are real people. Yeah. But my opinion, that would be the the most likely reason that a 14 or 15 year old kid would say that they have a sex addiction, like they're addicted to the validation. Yeah. So it's literally just being out there seeking validation. That's what I see. Like, they're, they're, I don't think they're addicted to sexual activity. I think they're addicted to feeling desired or addicted to the feeling of validation. So that being said, what she describes, and I'm not an expert, but it doesn't seem like what I've read sex addiction actually is. Like, it just seems to me like the sort of thing, like, you know, people who are extremely sheltered or conservative would view any person who uses drugs as an addict. Yeah. Like, you know, when we watched the movie Clueless and the stoner skater kid went oh into God. like a 12 step program for weed at the end. Yes. Yeah. So, or, or like, you know, in fundamentalist Christian circles, when, you know, they find you're watching any pornography, you have to go into the church and get healed from your pornography addiction because, you know, it's seen as so deviant. Yes. So I think it it, it could be that as well or a combination of that with, with my theory. What we don't get from her is a definition f- of what this addiction entailed. So for all we know, she could be describing like serial monogamy. Like she just had multiple boyfriends and slept with some of them. Yeah, it literally could have been somebody finding out that she was sexually active and then saying, oh, this is clearly an addiction because you don't want to stop. Yeah, and she's still so young, so somebody could enforce that definition on her. And she does get found out being sexually active eventually because she gets pregnant around the time she's 15 or 16. Um, in her, I thought it was later. I thought it was like 17. I thought she said 16 in the video. I don't know. She said that she was pregnant during her high school graduation. Okay, so maybe she got pregnant at 16 and then graduated at 17. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's how it seems. I mean, yeah. yeah, but some people graduate when they're 17. If your birthday's later in the summer. Yeah. Anyway. No, my graduation was like three weeks after my right 18th after birthday. you turned yeah, 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that that could line up. Um, I thought she said 16 in the video, but I wouldn't hang my hat on it. Yeah, whatever. The timeline's a little anyway, fuzzy. Um, yeah, but okay, a lot of things with this lady are a little bit fuzzy as we're going to find out. So she says that she originally wanted to get an abortion, but her mother forced her to marry the father of her child instead. Yeah, and we never find anything about this man. Mm-hmm. Like, she never tells us anything about this man other than that he is a, quote-unquote, wonderful man. 
And that's how she describes him. And then she says that she cheated on him a bunch and it fell apart. Right. Her word choices are really interesting here. Uh, She uses the word forced to describe her marriage twice. Which is never a good thing. Not a great start, no. Uh, no. And then she talks about how good and blameless this man was and how uh, it was because she still had a sex addiction and she cheated on him. And that's what broke up their marriage. Uh, then she makes another really interesting vocabulary choice. Uh, and that's using the word prostitution. Yeah. Yeah. See, the way that she describes it, though, doesn't really make sense to me. So what Christine says is that she was never a professional sex worker or didn't depend on that for her income. But what she said is, if somebody wanted it bad enough, they could pay me. And that is a form of prostitution. So something seems a bit off to me when she said this. Like, it didn't seem as if she was actually a professional. Like you said, like also doesn't seem like she was actually a sex addict because in this situation it didn't seem like she was the one who was seeking out the the sexual validation but also like it didn't seem like the way that she described her interactions with potential clients as like a a customer like a client relationship that type of thing either so like i don't know what i got from this was that at some point maybe she had a sugar daddy i don't know like it it didn't make much it didn't make much sense she also said if somebody wanted to, they could have paid me, but she also never said that like that actually happened. It just said that she like maybe would have been willing to at the time. So yeah. like like the willingness to degrade to in her mind degrade yourself to that level yeah. technically makes you a prostitute. It's like weird logic that doesn't make any I don't know. It 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 seemed off. Like the words that she used to describe it didn't seem like the words that I would actually expect somebody involved with the sex work industry to use like her saying which is a form of prostitution didn't make me feel like it wasn't necessarily money that she was talking about or changing his i don't know because if it was money she wouldn't have said which is a form of she would have said which is you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i I don't know there's some details here that are clearly missing and it's like definitely kind of fuzzy and this raises more questions and the than it answers. Way, what I completely agree, just the way she phrases this entire part of her story just does not sound right to me. No. Um, we were talking earlier about there is a there are some things that she speaks about them and you're like, okay, this woman's a little bit nuts, but she's completely sincere. Um, this is the opposite of that. She just right. Okay, I live in Portland. It's like she, she's extrapolating something that didn't really happen, but she's like, "Well, this is true as a technicality, but it's yeah. not actually like true to the the." Okay, like yeah, like maybe she was short on rent some one time, and her landlord was like, "Yeah, you can make up that extra two hundred bucks, and I'll tell you how." Like yeah, which is a that, that's what like which is like a form that, of yeah. prostitution. Like so, that's what that makes me think of. But I mean, I've, I I feel like that's more a form of like a uh, uh, exploitation than well, yes, but yeah. oh, well, yes, it absolutely is. But think from this person's mind, 
who is an evangelical Christian, they don't. Right. And she was raised where everything is her fault. So she's just going to blame herself for everything. She's not going to be like, oh, no, this guy was totally a scumbag and taking advantage of me. She's going to be like, oh, that was my fault. I was. And and then she's going to use, yeah, and she's going to use this outdated term. Like, we don't even use the term prostitute anymore. Um, No. But she's going to use this outdated term that is is historically used to to shame women. and call somebody a harlot. Like, right, like that's that's a, like the- <laughs> that's a term that's used to, to to shame survival sex workers. Yeah, and she's going to use that term about herself because that's all she knows. Like that's shaming herself is all that she knows. I mean, I what I was I agree, which uh, makes perfect sense with her upbringing. Yes, but like I I live in Portland. Okay, I do know people who are different types of sex workers. Just like I know a couple Satanists like here, there, and around the corner. And her terminology is weird. So this could be chalked up to the the fact that we're talking about something that happened 30 years ago and this woman has been out of that phase of her life for a long time. I think it's more likely like something sketchy happened, whether it was with her being exploited or with her consenting to some form of promiscuity that involved cash or rewards somehow. And yeah. she is now like what she's doing though is she's milking it because she wants her street cred when she talks about how sinful she was in the past. So is that a thing though? Oh yeah. Like like how people talk about how much of a badass they used to be before turning to Jesus. Like I don't know. I I seem to remember this story about Ben Carson. You remember Ben Carson, the former oh, yeah. HUD secretary? Always looked like he was sleeping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was running for president in 2016. And he told this story where he's like, I stabbed somebody. And then he turned to God. And then it also turned out that the stabbing story was not true or didn't make sense. Am I misremembering that? Um, this is definitely a thing that people do. Uh, the more sensational your turn to Jesus story is, the more popular you are and the more people want to hear you tell it and buy your books. Um, <laughs> the man who founded – we talked about Reform is Unanimous in the Josh Duggar episode. Um, the man who founded Reform is Unanimous claimed to have been a former hell's angel. And we all just ate his stories up about you know shooting people and skinning people yeah, alive and heroin right. and all kind of stuff. Um, we all loved his stories. I don't specifically remember Ben Carson saying he stabbed somebody, but I don't oh, not I remember it. Remember like that, that totally that a, sounds right. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is a hundred percent a thing that people do. Yeah, and I mean I know many people who will like creatively embellish the stories of their life to make them seem like more of a badass or more amazing. And who's to say that like these things are true or they're not true? I don't know. Like, but the next part of the story seems to sort of follow that sort of I was the worst sinner that there is, but then I found Jesus narrative. Yeah, like there's no way of knowing how embellished this story may or may not be. I definitely feel like this has a foundation of truth, but it's been exaggerated. The next part of her story takes place in 1995. Christina settled down with a man who has a teenage daughter and they're living together, not married. Uh, The stepdaughter, well, her boyfriend's daughter who she refers to as her stepdaughter, um, asked for tickets to a white zombie concert. So Christine bought her the tickets and bought her a white zombie CD. Uh, Christine talks about being in her stepdaughter's room one day, and the way she phrased it definitely made me think she was doing some kind of snooping. Uh, But she noticed satanic symbols on the CD case of the white zombie CD. 
So she opened up the CD and read the lyrics inside the jacket, and she found lyrics that she says are anti-Christ. So just thought I should point this out. This isn't entirely relevant, but I used to know the original drummer for White Zombie, Ivan DePrume. He taught drum lessons at the Guitar Center where I worked when I was in college. Really cool guy. Metalhead to the core. Really? Yeah. So you might be going to hell by association because White Zombie, according to Christine, is like extremely satanic. But they're not really. Well, anyway, that's what I was saying about Kiss. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> uh, anyway, I looked up every Which time. Just like every metal, every like hard rock, every metal kind of thing is is automatically satanic, you know. Except for the ones that, that are actually satanic, and they don't even know those exist. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, because I was already like super deep into back end research for this episode, I decided what the hell, and I looked up every time that White Zombie mentioned Jesus in their lyrics. Um, there were not very many times that one of them was in the album Astro Creep 2000, which did come out in 1995. So that would roughly match with Christine's story here. And on the second track, it's called Supercharger Heaven. There are these lyrics. And the lyrics are, Jesus lived his life in a cheap hotel on the edge of Route 66. Yeah, he lived a dark and twisted life and he came right back just to do it again. And then the chorus repeats like devil man, devil man calling devil man. So I'm assuming like that's one of the like White Zombie did not mention Jesus on the album that came out in 1993. So I'm assuming that it was the one that came out in 95, which was this album. And this is the only mention of Jesus on this album. So this I have to assume that this is what she's referring to. Um, I did want to point out that the satanic symbols on the jacket that Christine claims to have recognized from her time in the occult are mathematical symbols. Yeah. So <laughs> not satanic symbols. Yeah, it looks like you're you're she'd have more fun finding Satan in her stepdaughter's math homework. I know, like geometry homework. Yeah, no, literally like if you're familiar with that confused math lady meme, you know, where it's like the the lady with blonde hair and then those mathematical symbols and equations that are like in front of her. That's yeah. what's on the front of the record. Yeah. Although Knowing fundamentalist Christians' attitudes towards education, it's entirely possible that she believes math is from the devil. I just thought it was funny. (laughs) So I'm doing the background research for this episode, and I decided to make this one a little bit more of a deep dive. And I wanted to see those symbols up close. And we just happened to have that record at our house. So I pulled it out of the record cabinet, and I was like, ooh, I got to see these satanic symbols. And I pull it out, and it's literally just math. It does not surprise me at all that you guys have White Zombie on vinyl because White Zombie f- rocks. I think that this particular record is the only one we have. Um, we have some Rob Zombie, though. Yeah. As well. Well, good stuff. Oh, yeah. Anyway, she describes this moment when she is confused by. <laughs> or, <laughs> she She describes this moment when she is confronted by this blatant Satanism right to her face. As sort of like a crossroads for her as a person where she can decide whether she wants to let the devil win or if she wants to take a stand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we'd be remiss not to mention that this is one place she reports having a conversation with God. Um, Now, as someone who is fluent in evangelical, uh, I want to make sure that she I want to make it clear. She's not claiming to hear God's voice with her physical ears. She is describing this kind of 
internal conversation. Now, I can tell you from personal experience, this does feel very real. And I am going to get into that more at another time. But I wanted to make clear that she is claiming that God spoke English words directly to her. But she is not claiming that those English words were audible. Yeah, and I think that this is something that we can all sympathize, at least like an idea of having a conversation with God or having an internal conversation with some sort of higher moral authority, even if it's just like a little voice in your back, in the back of your head saying, oh, do this, don't do that. This is right. This is wrong. So that conversation with God, that is something that I believed happened to me in the past. And I honestly can't, I don't know if I still believe in that or not. I I honestly don't know, but I do, I can tell you at one point I did think that God directly spoke to me. I don't know if jury's out. (laughs) Are we ever going to get to that story on the podcast? You know what? I think we absolutely are. Okay. You know what though? Nobody can ever tell you what you experienced in any way. So like, or or try to invalidate that. So yeah, Yeah. I'm not going to act like, you know, she was insincere with what she thought. No, and I'm going to talk of the, that's a topic that I've kind of been building up. You know how I'll build up topics with little hints and then yeah. I'll eventually get into them in full. I've been building up on that topic for a while. We're going to get there. Um, so Christine says that after God spoke to her about the evils of white zombies, she changed her life. So she married the guy that she was living with. Who was also the guy that she cheated on her first husband with and consequently home wrecked. Right. But as she's seeing it, I think she's taking kind of a Dave Hiles view on this. Like she's seeing it as like the damage is done, but we can do the right thing now by getting married and being monogamous from here on out. Mm. Yeah. And then from 1995 to 2011 or so, Christine's timeline goes completely dark. We don't know what happens to her between 95 and 2011. No. And then the next time we hear from her is in 2011 when she self-publishes a book called Explain This, a verse-by-verse explanation of the book of Revelation. The book didn't sell extremely well, uh, but she took it on tour around the country at Christian book fairs and similar events. Well, maybe it didn't sell well because these fundamentalists don't want to get their theology from a woman. Oh, dear. That's unfortunately possible. These book fairs, though, are where she discovered, where she developed the monster energy drink presentation, like, as an attention getter. So, like, try to get people over to her little table at the book fair. Yeah, and so this monster energy drink presentation achieves just that. Like, it's a viral hit, and it lands her some internet fame. Yeah, so it goes viral. And then, like, a couple of years after the video was actually made, and then she ends up on Tosh for the Web Redemption yeah. And I guess like it looks like her her activism and her protests were more quiet before the Tosh appearance is what it appears like to me. But this like, like emboldens her. Right. Like she had done minor protests, but it looks like it was often like just her. Like she drove uh she drove a, a fair distance across the state one time to to hold a sign and protested the legalization of gay marriage in 2013. Um uh, but know. like nothing major. Like stuff that definitely makes her dick but nothing major, nothing harmful to people, just foolery. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think Tosh did embolden her because that's when she really gets into the anti-Muslim protests. Uh, why? Why is a why? real good question. Um, I did some, I did, as I was doing my digging, it seems like she got more bold and more politically active 
between sometime between 2011, 2012, and 2014, um, because her fringe beliefs caused her to lose her husband and her stepdaughter and even her biological daughter. So around the time she went on Tosh or like shortly, shortly before or shortly after, she ended up living in her car because she had alienated her family so badly. And the primary reason was her anti-LGBT beliefs. So there's another thing that I want to bring up. Because during this interview, she talks about her life. And she says all these things like, and I'm quoting her, I think, or loosely paraphrasing. She says, you have to talk to these gays with love and go to them and ask them, have you read Romans 1? Do you know what the Bible says about your lifestyle? And not do it from hate, but do it from love, which is, I mean, to us listening to that, that's clearly contradictory. Like she's talking about how hundreds of thousands of gays would descend on Chicago for the pride parade. And there would only be 12 pastors or something and how disgusted she is with the sin and sinfulness and degradation of society. So when she's talking about that stuff, she has that look in her eyes. Like she has that conviction that like to the very core of her being, she believes that this is real and she believes that this is true. Yeah, she really does. And this is where I think this is the linchpin that kind of changed the direction of this episode. Because we were thinking it would be more fun to kind of just poke fun at this lady and the monster energy ridiculousness. But as we dug deeper into the reasons that she might be doing this, we felt like there was a bigger story to be told. Yeah, so there is one story concerning our friend Christine that I want to talk about because this provides us with some real insight into her mindset. And this has to do with her anti-Muslim activism. So in 2014, there is going to be in Washington, D.C., a Muslim prayer service that is held at the National Cathedral. It's like low-key a big deal because this is the first time there's ever been one. And it's billed as this sort of nice, big, interfaith event. Yeah. And the National Cathedral, by the way, is an Episcopal church. Yeah. And I mean, this is not uncommon for different religious groups to share spaces, especially if like one is relatively small. So like if you've got, say, a small Jewish or Muslim congregation, like only a dozen or so families, it's not that uncommon that they'll like rent out a small church for their services. But this isn't quite like that. This is much larger and it's supposed to be like a big demonstration of interfaith acceptance. And it's at the big national cathedral in Washington, D.C., you know, like right by the White House. It's supposed to send a message of inclusiveness. There's press, there's photographers, like the whole nine yards. But our friend Christine, with all of the grace of a kangaroo in roller skates, decides to gate crash this event. She shows up, causes a scene, and gets 86th. Don't forget to mention, she claims in an interview that God made her invisible so that she could get into the event in the first place. Yeah, either that or God made her a generic looking white lady whose presence never arouses any suspicion anywhere. But 
Yeah. But like this interview, this is what I really wanted to talk about because this interview, she reveals a lot about the way that she thinks. There are a few parts that I wanted to highlight because so before I go into this, um, I just want to clarify that the website that I am quoting from World Net Daily is not a reputable source of information. It's pretty extremely right wing and they foment a lot of conspiracy theories. But oh. they're the out. What? I said, oh boy. Yeah. Like, so if you go and look at their homepage, it's full of like, uh, right now, uh, when we're recording this, it's full of like, uh, Trump won the election and they cheated or something by hiding votes. Or, that's what it's full of right oh, now. Yeah. Um, that's the sort of website it is. So it's not a reliable source of information. It's pretty extremely right wing. But they are the outlet that got the exclusive interview with her. So that's where I'm quoting from. And this is a, a direct for, uh, quote from that. It says, The Muslims had set up their prayer rugs in such a way that their backs were turned on the cross, which they consider to be an alien religious symbol. Jesus was a prophet, but was not the son of God and never died on a Roman cross, according to Muslim teaching. Yet, they found themselves staring at a woman who demanded the cross become the center of attention. She pointed to it, then blurted out the message she had traveled all the way from Tennessee to deliver. Jesus Christ died on that cross over there. He is the reason we are to worship only him. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, she said. We have built, allowed you your mosques in this country. Why don't you worship in your mosques and leave our churches alone? We are a country founded on Christian principles, end quote. So I have I have two thoughts on that. Number one, uh, Christine did not demand that the cross become the center of attention. She demanded that herself become the center of attention when she started yelling in the middle of a prayer (laughs) service. I just had to point that out. Yeah. Second of all, uh, on a more scientific note, I looked up the National Cathedral and it looks like the cross that she would have been pointing to is on the west side of the building. So naturally, these Muslim people would be facing towards the back door of the cathedral because they need to face east. I think it's like it's the like east one slightly, slightly northeast um, to is be in north, the correct direction south? for their prayers. Right. So, yeah, this is this is the thing that people don't get. like if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, you understand this. So Jewish people, if you go to the synagogue, it's always going to be set up so that you're facing towards Jerusalem. If you're Muslim, it's going to be set up so that when you pray, you're facing towards the Kaaba in Mecca. So if you're in America, you're going to be pointed east. So right, unless if you're in they our were hemisphere, you're going to be pointed east, roughly. Yeah. So like, if you're, if she wanted them to face that, she would have had to literally like pick up the cathedral, rotate it 180 degrees, and then they'd be facing the cross. Right, and, that's and what I she'd have had to do for it to be to, for it to work. Uh, I found a really cool calculator online, by the way, that'll tell you what direction to face, like from anywhere oh, in the world. I just thought that was a neat thing that, like, I found this on the internet. That's a cool thing that exists. Anyway, the these people who were involved in this prayer service weren't turning their back on the cross; they were literally facing the same direction that they face when they pray five times a day, every single day. Yeah. Of their entire, it's just that's the direction that they face. It had nothing to do with them turning their back on the cross. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, so that's the first part of the. I'm dedicated uh, to this to this podcast. I found out which way the cathedral faces for this. <laughs> Looking up blueprints, you're going to get uh, the, on the FBI watch list. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so that's the first part. Here's the second part of of the article, and this is what she said, uh, or this is what it said in the interview. Um, and while she was lauded for her bravery, she confided that she was quote literally scared to death. As she waited for the right moment to stand up and proclaim the gospel message. Um, she says, they never said a word to me. Two guys came up and got me. I remember one large man in a suit taking me by the arm very strongly, but he did not hurt me, she said. He just put an arm on me and said, we are walking this way. Then comes the police officer and I'm thinking, okay, I'm done. I'm still in the sanctuary at this point. So I put my hands for the officer to arrest me, but he just held my hand and walked me to the back of the church. He handed me over to a woman officer who takes me to the front doors of the church. She hands me to another officer who takes me to another officer in the foyer who takes me out to the road. None of them said a word. I was free to go. So Sadie, can I tell you what I make of this? Please do. I see a woman who lives her life through a pinhole. I see a woman whose life has never been anything else. I see a woman who, during her upbringing, she had this Christian fundamental sense of right and wrong drilled into her. And when she decided to leave as a teenager... She didn't decide to leave because she thought that the sense of right and wrong was off. She left because in her mind, she wanted to be evil. So like she literally wanted to be evil, not because I can, not because she thinks, oh, I can be good without Jesus telling me what to do. She wanted to be like, oh, I'm going to do all of the things that Jesus tells me not to. And even though she got outside of Christianity of her upbringing, she never got outside of that way of thinking. So when she was in her late teens and early twenties and doing all of this, you know, sort of chaotic energy ratchet, shit, like home wrecking people as some people in their early twenties get into, um, it wasn't an like, I'm going to figure this out mindset. It was an I'm on the other side of morality mindset. That's what I've got to understand. That's what we've got to put our heads around. So you're saying you think she was being bad, you know, in her own eyes, bad for just for the sake of being bad, like rebellion for rebellion's sake. Yeah. Okay. Because I can, I can, I can agree with that. I think you're right. Um, honestly, that's how I ended up smoking for two years. Um, <laughs> I literally just did it because. I knew it was like something I was never, never, ever supposed to do. And I just wanted to do something that I wasn't supposed to do. And like, I was like, yeah, well, I want to destroy my lungs. See, yeah. See, there, I can be bad. And then that's how I ended up getting addicted to nicotine for like two and a half years and then Yikes. ended up having to quit. Oh, it's fine. I'm like, I'm obviously long since quit now. But yeah, well. Um, <laughs> But but like that's like, like literally how I started smoking. So I totally understand. I'm gonna be bad. I'm gonna play with a Ouija board. Yeah, like I understand this woman's <laughs> rebellion. Like I really, if that's if, if I'm what gonna we're, play with a Ouija board and sleep with married men. 
Right, and we're like assuming we're assuming a lot about her, but I can certainly relate with that mindset and why that might be what was leading her at this point in her life. Yeah, but like she never realized that a lot of the stuff that she was doing wasn't actually like amoral. Like having a baby out of wedlock is far from the worst thing that somebody can do. Being a serial monogamist is only really bad if the other people involved are getting hurt. Like she made the initial step of leaving the cultish upbringing, but she never took the next step of trying to realign her moral compass. That that is the thing. Yeah. Like she never sat down and thought for herself, like, okay, is having sex with somebody that I'm not married to wrong? Or is that something I was told? It's against Jesus and Jesus is right. And like, Right. She never sat down to think like, oh, okay, well, is are any of these activities wrong or was I just told they were wrong? And right. like, and I get why you would not want to do that because honestly, it's really freaking hard. But, you know, she didn't ever do it. And then she felt the guilt, like all of us who have left cults have felt terrible guilt. And she saw those white zombie lyrics and that was a guilt trigger for her. But instead of trying to work through that in a healthy way and go, oh, are these lyrics actually harmful or sinful or are they just lyrics by a band? Um, but instead of trying to work through it, she fell back into this pattern of shame and guilt because that's what was familiar to her. And that's like the world she knew how to function in. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to bring up the Muslim prayer service, because it is so indicative of her worldview. So in her mind. Jesus equals right, Bible equals good, Christianity equals morality. Therefore, any religious prophetic figure that is not Jesus is wrong. Any holy book that is not the, I assume from her King James Bible, is evil. And any religion that isn't Christianity is amoral. So, she goes into this church to gate crash this Muslim prayer service, and they're facing away from the cross. She is literally incapable of comprehending the idea that religious practices that are not about Jesus and Christianity are not inherently evil. Like, if they're worshiping through a system that is not Christianity, that is literally because they are evil. And everything in the world is based around that. So she makes that into a big scene. She gets thrown out. She expects to end up in jail. I assume she expects that she's going to be in jail because uh, she believes that Muslims have taken over the government and that evil has taken over the government. And that is the only reason why this event in the National Cathedral would be allowed to happen. So the institution of the government, as she understands the police, are going to arrest her or do something awful to her. But all they did was firmly and not cruelly remove her and kindly tell her to, you know, fuck off. So... When a person like this looks at a can of monster energy, the only way in which they are capable of understanding anybody deciding to make this can is if they are good or if they are evil. Like when she goes to a gay pride parade and she tells people that being gay is wrong, she honestly believes that these people have chosen to be evil or that they, you know, simply just don't know. Like her worldview is so myopic in a way that 
to us is so bizarre and hilarious, but to her, it makes a hundred percent perfect sense. It's like we're living in 3d and she can only see in 2d. You know what? I think you just, you said that so perfectly. Like, did you, so did you get a uh, sense as like an IFB member that some people literally just saw the world in two dimensions, like metaphorically, like somebody, like not everybody in the cold is going to see things this way, but like, you know, some people think like you meet someone and you think, man, this person needs to grow an original thought. All they can think about is sinful or not sinful or allowed or not allowed. Not okay. So I didn't notice that until I left. I think that kind of thinking is almost universal within the IFB. And so is an extreme paranoia about even thinking outside the box on this kind of thing. Um, I don't want to be completely without nuance. There are people who are more this way than others. Of course. And I would maybe have thought something like, you know, this person is my IFB thought process maybe would have sounded like this person is too paranoid about what's sinful they don't really need to go into that much detail. If they are trying that hard and they're still wrong about something, then God is going to overlook that sin or God is going to help them figure it out. They don't need to be that crazy about it. Uh, I might have thought something as well, like this person is in re- unreasonable in how they interpret that scripture. But as far as thinking of things in categories as like good or bad, allowed or not allowed, that very black and white thinking, it's almost essential to being in the IFB at all. Everybody that I know that has worked to not have black and white thinking is now probably one of our listeners because they have left the IFB. I don't know anybody who has developed. So people will start to develop that more nuance in their thinking and work on not being so black and white in their thinking. And generally five years later, they're pulling out of the IFB. Yeah. I mean, black and white thinking is popular everywhere, though, like in politics and religion and culture. I think it's really catchy because it offers a simple answer to, like, a complicated question. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can really see that. Yeah. And so what we have here, I think it's just another example of us finding something loony on the Internet that we wanted to make fun of. And then we dig a little deeper and then there's yeah something really nefarious at work. Um yeah, this was this was going to be like a, a funny episode of just making fun of like, hey, this lady is this it went lady zero, to, zero to 100 real fast. Uh, just yeah, like but that's like Christine's how many times life. does that happen when we write these episodes? Yeah. <sighs> anyway, that's that's going to be it for today. Be sure to tune in on Thursday for our homework episode. I have no idea what that's going to be because of the time of recording this. Uh, we have not gotten up to that point yet. But tune in on Thursday. There's going to be a homework episode, uh, and you guys are going to enjoy it, hopefully. Uh, you've been listening to the Leaving Eden podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, OnlyFans. No, we don't have an OnlyFans. Um, it's going to be we have Patreon. Yeah, we have a Patreon, which is uh, like an OnlyFans, but not for uh, 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 adult content. Uh, yeah, uh, you can follow us. Uh, it's going to be at Leaving Eden Podcast for the Instagram and the Facebook. And for the Twitter, it is going to be at Leaving Eden Pod. You can write us an email at leavingedenpod at gmail.com. You can uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. Sadie, you want to plug your social? 
Wait. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music and on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie. I keep getting those two handles mixed up. You can tell she's pregnant because she can't remember <laughs> shit. Yeah, I got the CRS real bad. Um, you can also follow me on TikTok. My TikTok handle is Sadie Carpenter One, but that'll eventually change when I figure out how to be cool like the rest of the people on TikTok. Um, yeah. The podcast TikTok account is. Hang on, let me let me see. Let me see. Leaving it in podcast. Anyway, uh, join us uh, next week and later this week. Uh, we hope to hear from you guys then. See you guys then. Uh, you guys have a good day. Bye-bye. But old rolling river of time Peeled me in too many days No regrets, no Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.